Hello, and welcome to the Jesus People Podcast. Jesus People is an intentional Christian community located in the uptown neighborhood of Chicago. Join hosts Sarah and Rebecca as they interview Charlene about her life journey that first brought her to community many years ago, and now back again after years of being away. Welcome to the Jesus People Podcast. I'm Sarah. Hi, and I'm Rebecca. And today we're going to be talking to our friend Charlene about how she came to community. Good evening, ladies. Thank you so much, Charlene, for being on an episode of Jesus People podcast with us. Yes, this is so fun. Good Thank evening. You. Thank you for having me. So we it's just want to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And so we just kind of want to, for those of us who don't know you, uh, we just kind of want to, if you could give us a little bit of your story, um, how you came to community and you know, what makes you stay and a little bit about you. Okay. Well, I am originally from Atlanta, from Georgia. I guess all of my life, just periodically in and out, I'd have these times where I wanted to like escape what I called like the rat race, the conveyor belt of life, where I felt like I was being pushed along in life, not really being able to live the life I wanted to live, but that everything was being controlled by, I've got to work this job because I got to make this much money because I got to pay for this house because I got to do this thing. And I was kind of on that regular American roller coaster of working to make money to pay for a house that I was never at because I was at work. So I could make the money to have the house that I was never in kind of thing. And I didn't, it didn't feel purposeful. It didn't feel fulfilling that life. And I would just periodically joke and say, you know what, I'm I'm just going to run away. I'm going to run off to a commune somewhere. I'm (laughs) that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. And uh, I think probably over the years, my friends and family just thought I was kidding, <laughs> but I really just hadn't found my out, you know? And so right before um, I heard about Jesus people, I had made a decision that I was going to start a community. So I um, found some land and I found an RV and my whole plan, I talked to like a couple of friends, a few different families. And I was like, we can homestead together. And I started looking up how to um, install like a, septic system and how can you use your water three different times and gray water and what I did all this research and I was going to move up into like the north Georgia somewhere in the country and try to start a community but um I was on Facebook actually and I came across Jesus People's Facebook page and um I read it and I was like oh gosh this is so much easier (laughs) so I called (laughs) I was like, and it's in the city because I didn't actually want to live in the country. I was going to ask you about that. So like, this is such a jump from trying to do some sustainable agriculture, (laughs) like be be like in nature, like very big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I should preface first that I actually did not want to live in the country. It's just my Mm. knowledge of like communities, like that's what I thought it looked like. So Mm. I didn't even know anything like you know, Jesus people existed. So I was just going with what I knew, you know, I thought I had to move away from people out into the country and farm and like grow yeah. cilantro, you know, <laughs> and that's what I had yeah. to do. And, um, but then when I found this, I was like, oh, this is in Chicago. This is like in the city. So I'm like, okay. So I called and I talked to someone here at the community and they gave me some more information. And, um, this was definitely more up my alley. So I, I was already ready to make this move. Like I already had stuff packed. I was like a week away from buying this RV. 
I'd already talked to the 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 people for the land I was going to buy. Slowly, everybody started backing out that was going to make this big jump and go homestead with me. And it was just even a further sign that, you know, coming here felt yeah. right. And, you know, I had people saying like, well, you don't know anybody in Chicago. And so are you just going to pack up and leave all of your stuff and just move to Chicago with a bunch of people you don't know, in the city you've never been to? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do. So literally gave away all my stuff, bought me a train ticket on Amtrak, uh, got an Amtrak train, came here. Someone picked me up from the train. I came to Jesus people and that that's how I got here. Yeah. And um, I'm the type of person though, I love adventure. So mm-hmm. that was perfect for me. And I was like, you know, worst case scenario, I don't like it. You know, Georgia didn't blow up, you know, I could always go back. So yeah, that's how I got here. And I remember when I first got here, um, I was placed in the kitchen uh, to work while they were kind of figuring out like, what, what could I do? What, what was my you know, passion? What would I like to do? And um, I remember the first day I walked in the kitchen, there are all these different people, you know, older people, younger people, black people, white people, people with tattoos, people that look like hippies, people that look like me and, you know, people, goth people, just everybody. And I love that because I just love yeah. this great hodgepodge of people. And I came in and they were listening to uh, Bob Marley and everybody was bobbing their heads to the music, all these different people cutting vegetables. And I was like, I have found my people. And <laughs> I knew, I knew I was home. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I came here. I loved it, you know, loved it. Yeah, I don't think before I heard about Jesus people, I think I had the same uh, like misconception about uh, community living that it was a bunch of hippies living off the grid. But since right. since living here, I I've learned about so many that are in urban areas and are doing really amazing things to impact their communities for the better and yeah it's just such an eye-opening experience once you are kind of introduced to the the world of communal living it it's just amazing all the different yeah all the different ways that people serve their communities by living this way and and serving each other um I've had the experience of people coming wishing for that like thinking somehow which I don't know even the thought of like being in uptown Chicago, like there are urban farming communities for sure. Um, but we are not that. And like they're ur- urban, not urban, urban agriculture, maybe is it? I don't know where they're trying to, trying to as much as possible grow their own food and be sustainable in that way, which I think there's a lot of ways to live in a sustainable way. And I think, obviously, I think we could do better at that. But there's a lot of people that move in with the opposite, Charlene, of like, they were searching for that, like, really, like, super environment, super in nature, super that kind of community, and come to visit us and then be be like, oh, you're really in the city. And oh, you're really like, we're not like farming or gardening or like, I like that. I I didn't expect that, that you were like, I didn't want that, but I was going to do that just for the people, just for the, like the relationships yet, like you found what you were really searching for, which is so cool. And just like that, God was putting that in your heart of communing with, um, with others in a, in a different kind of like off the, off the beaten path way. Yeah. I, I wanted to be able to have relationships with people and let that be like the focus 
more so yeah. of my life. And then the work that I do be an outpouring of those relationships and of my gifts and skills and passions, but not feel like there was some outside force that felt purposeless, just pushing me along. You know, yeah. you know, I joke, I'm like, I would joke and say, you know, I go to work so I can still have lights. Like that was, mm. that was my gift. Like your the lights get to still be on, but um, that was not big enough for what I wanted in my heart, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, definitely community was, was calling me before I knew what it was called. For those that are interested though, we do have a lot of people who are passionate about, about recycling, about sustainability. Yes. Yes, there definitely is. You know, we have a lot of vegetarian, vegan options uh, for meals as well. Uh, we're definitely moving in that direction towards being more conscious about our waste and whatever. But we do also have a new, um, what is it, the Uptown Garden Collective. Yeah, um, that is just started by a bunch of community members. So we have a small plot of land and they're um, trying to um, do like sustainable horticulture projects out there um, with the hope of being able to provide some food for um, the community, but also uh, gardening projects for the kids at Cornerstone Community Outreach to kind of give them an outlet and a way to express themselves. And so that'll be coming uh, in the spring um, for the kids over there. So we do have ways that you can be involved. There are a lot of garden, urban garden plots nearby within just like a block or two. So there are a lot of people who, you know, on your way home from work, why don't you stop by and go pick some strawberries or whatever. So we definitely do have that option. Yeah. It's just not yeah. the the central focus. The main focus for us is people, relationships, and service. That outpouring of ourselves. Absolutely. That's a really good way yeah. to put it. I think that any sort of communal living situation is environmentally friendly in some way. And so in, we are sharing resources, right? Like we are using yes. less than an average household. Each individual or each family is using less resources than you would if you lived in your own apartment building, lived in your own home. So, so there is sustainability involved in communal living. It's just, the, it is different than like a farming specific community. So anyways, mm -hmm. yes, I like that little Yep. After they had you, after you were in the kitchen for a little while, um, where did you end up going next? Because obviously you're not still there. Um, so where did you, where was your fit? What was? Well, I ended up going to work at Cornerstone Community Outreach at our homeless shelter. And some of that came from a passion I already had for working with the homeless. Uh, before I came here, I had worked at a couple of homeless shelters in Georgia. And so, um, and I'd done some uh, volunteering with the Red Cross and things like that. So I, I already had like, I wanted to work with more disadvantaged communities. Um, I had done some, uh, I helped to create databases for people that were displaced from Katrina um, in Atlanta for a while. So I did some of that. And um, I used to rock babies at this uh, shelter in Atlanta for families with newborns. I actually, uh, grew up in a suburb outside of Atlanta, but moved to the city because I had this thing. I was going to go there and be like a street um, uh, case manager. And I was going to go out to the street to the people that maybe had mental health issues or whatever and couldn't get to the services so I could take the services to them. So being able to come here and then also be able to work with 
uh, the clients at the homeless shelter was just a perfect fit for me. Mm. So um, I went there and I did a few different jobs there. Um, I did volunteer coordinating for a while, which was great because it gave me the opportunity to go out and kind of raise awareness about homelessness and to um, talk to some of the people that came to volunteer at the shelter. Because what I saw with some volunteers was they had idealized this idea of homeless people and they were all like happy and they're going to come in and they're going to serve all this these really sweet extremely grateful <laughs> kind homeless people and, and I said you know these are people and a lot of these people aren't feeling as chipper <laughs> as you think they would they're homeless and they're going through things so some of them are angry and some of them are sad and so coming in to volunteer I really wanted to help like normalize what working with what people was like and when you're coming to serve you may encounter people that aren't happy to see you per se. So it really needs to be about wanting to come in and serve. And I was really glad to be able to kind of create that buffer before the experience happened where it was unpleasant for either our clients or the volunteers. And I think that that helped a lot. I also did some uh, fundraising at the shelter. Um, I did a fundraiser called um, An Extra Helping for the Homeless. And it was actually a dine out fundraiser. And we had several restaurants in the city um, agreed to donate a small percentage of their sales on a specific day to our shelter. And all we had to do was basically say, hey, go eat at this place. So um, we did that. And that was that was good for our first little fundraiser there. And I was really uh, happy to be able to do that. So it brought in some of my organizational skills I had from working in other places and my passion. And so it was like the perfect storm of a uh, work and passion for me there. So um, that's where I worked uh, the whole time, the whole time I was here. So Charlene, you actually ended up uh, getting married and mm -hmm. leaving community. I met you when you were volunteers coordinator. I had just come to community um, and you were two weeks away from your wedding and getting ready to leave. So it was literally like, <laughs> I just met you in passing, kind of. Uh, you're like, let's go get lunch. And then, you know, they were still trying to figure out where I was going to be as well. And so it just ended up being a very natural transition so that, you know, as you were going, I was able to step in and help take up some of those responsibilities. And but you've just recently come back um, to community. And so what what's it like being back after being gone for a while? Well, I think first we need to say not only when you showed up here, were you pretty much immediately put into this position to lead this whole little department. I also had you make my wedding dress. Yep. That's <laughs> what? Yes. I didn't know yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, yes. I, I showed up. Oh I'm, I met her. We went out to lunch. And then she got the phone call that they were going to have to like push up the 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 timeline of things and so like she's literally on the oh, phone with goodness. her fiance they're trying and I just heard that they were trying to figure out like um transportation and stuff and uh, like needing to rent a car or something and I just happened to have like coupon codes because I had just come and so the rental companies had sent me all this like promotional stuff and so I'm like sliding these pieces of paper across oh my desk. gosh and I'm like That's I'm not awesome. trying to be I'm not trying to be snoopy but if you're trying to get a discount I got this coupon code girl <laughs> <laughs> well I think too then, I was like oh I love that skirt you're like I made it yeah and I was yeah. like oh and it had kind of the same 
line that I wanted in my wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And I, I very quickly became open to a person I didn't know and whose seamstress skills I actually wasn't incredibly familiar with yet, making my wedding dress. That's pretty incredible. I do have to say like that, that kind of like community, like I, so I had like my wedding dress wasn't done the night before or no. Yeah. I think it was like the night or two before when I was getting married and a bunch of different seamstresses in the community came and just like sewed it together. in one, they, they did like a marathon night of like, banking making this entire dress in one night and I was like I could just go to a thrift store and buy something I don't care like I do care right but like I was like kind of in that panic of like I'm just I just need something to wear so I don't but that that's so amazing that Sarah made your dress too because that is like one of the gifts of community and community connections of like oh my gosh yeah right (laughs) hers is having all these talented people around the only dress I ever made because wow. very quickly after that, I realized I was like, if everybody knows that you can do this, you're going to have people knocking on your door. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. Like 10 o'clock at night. Hey, I need my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, that doesn't bring me joy. I, <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. So go ahead and put that little disclaimer out there. That was a one off. That was, yeah, don't yeah. be coming to me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> don't knock on my door asking me to hem your pants. No. Oh, well, man. even even in that wedding, like um, I wasn't going to have a wedding wedding uh, because everything was happening pretty quickly. So I had said, well, we're just going to come up at the end of church service one Sunday and everybody's already sitting there. Right. So we'll just get married real quick. And then afterwards, we'll just go to like the garden room and do like a potluck. And there were people here that was like, no, you're not. That's not, <laughs> is that what you want? Because that's not what you want. We're going to make it happen. And I mean, someone made me a cake. And um, some of Sarah made my dress. Um, I had a wedding I never could have afforded because of mm. all of the gifts and talents here. I mean, all these people cooked food, all these decorations for the reception. I mean, it's gorgeous, you know, and I had everything that I could have wanted and never would have been able to afford on my own. And so it was not just the actual production of that happening. It was like the love that you feel because all yep. these people were like, we're going to do this for you you know, and brought it to pass. And it was, it was great. People talked about that reception for some years. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was great. I, I will say that is like some, Jesus people does parties, <laughs> like love to parties, party. loves to party and loves to celebrate people. And so really like mm. people's milestones, accomplishments, like, like it, it's important. And I think, I think that that, uh, that is one huge gift of how we live is like that we, again, like sharing resources, but also sharing talents and mm-hmm. sharing, like being able to, um, like I, I enjoy making cakes and baking and I I've helped make wedding cakes for community weddings, but I wouldn't want to make, I wouldn't want to work in a bakery and I wouldn't want to make a cake to that someone pays me for. People have offered to pay me to make cakes before. I'm like, I usually say no. Well, I, I've always said no because I, it's different than like gifting something to somebody you love and you're celebrating. And um, yeah. So yeah. I think that's really special for like how we live. And I think that that's happened for, yeah. Anyways, I just, I love that. I love as, that story. As someone who has been a part of uh, at least 13 different weddings, um, <laughs> I have to say that is something that is very special about that is the ability for the 
community and all, all these people with these gifts and talents to help take that burden and that stress off of your plate, that you can be more present in the moment um, and actually enjoy time. That's something that I hate about, about receptions and things like that, because it's always like the scramble to, uh-huh. you know, after trying to get everything done, you're like riding this adrenaline high and just trying to make sure everybody has napkins or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and that's what's so nice about having these events at community is, is the ability to be able to actually participate and enjoy um, the event because people are sharing the responsibility. So whether that be a book launch that we're having, or, mm-hmm. you know, if we're doing some sort of coffee event at the coffee shop or an art show or an open mic night uh, mm-hmm. to split up the responsibility of that and have, okay, well, you're going to be in charge of setup. You're going to be in charge of cleanup. Uh, you're going to help run things in the middle and everybody gets to still experience it. Um, it's not one person stuck doing the whole thing by themselves. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that's special about um, events uh, in the community. Yeah. Not to sound corny or anything, but I think it really does bring to life the whole, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like mm. when you spread the workout, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel as heavy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And you did ask me, so I'll, I will actually answer the question you asked me a few minutes ago, which was, so I left. And then I came back. So I was gone for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, things with, you know, my marriage didn't work out and it was amicable. And we both said, you know, okay. But um, once I was able to, you know, Jesus people stayed in my heart the whole time. You know, I continued to have relationships here. And that was another thing. I was able to continue to have these relationships with people throughout the time that I was gone and still be a part of their life. Like we mm-hmm. didn't stop communicating. So it was a, uh, it was a no brainer when it was, when I was able and free to, to be able to come back to community. And um, even though it was a whole, well, not a whole different group of people, but a lot of people here that uh, were not here when I came, when I was here before, um, it was still that same sense of being home and uh, you know, that same feeling of community, which just really points to it's a, it's a thing and that it kind of resides in the spirit of community here. That's not necessarily just tied up in individual people, even with a whole different group of people, it still felt like the same family, you know? And um, when I came, actually, I got to my door and there was a big sign on it said, welcome home, Charlene, you know, and that was perfect. You know, I still don't know who made that sign. No one has admitted to it, but uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. You know, it was kind of the community saying welcome home. So that was great. And uh, to be able to go back to work at the shelter too, mm. and to be able to get back to the work I love, like, you know, it's been great. Coming back to CCO, to working there, did you, um, are you in a completely different role? Are you in a similar role? What, yeah, what's the difference there with job, job stuff? So I'm in a different role now. Um, in the time that I was away, I did uh, go to grad school and um, to get my master's in psychology. And I am really just on the very cusp of being done. I'll be done in the next couple of months. And um, so, Congratulations. yeah. So, yeah. That's exciting. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So uh, this time with um, my studies in psychology, what I'm doing now is I'm I'm holding the mental health specialist position and we're getting ready to do some very new things at the shelter. You know, we've always had housing and case management. That's been the focus, uh, but we're bringing in another arm of uh, support to also offer on-site 
mental health um, services there because, you know, some clients, especially if they have severe and persistent mental illness, it's difficult for them. It's actually a barrier for them to get to another place to go see someone, to be willing to, um, especially if that person's having a somewhat acute situation happening or some sort of episode in the moment, you may not even be able to get in to see somebody. And so having people on site, I think could be very helpful because there are some people whose housing goals are impeded by their mental health. Mm-hmm. And if you have someone on site that can work very closely with your case manager, that's there on a day-to-day basis, I think that can really help to make people a lot more successful. Um, So what I'm hoping is that not only will um, I be there, I've already started doing some group therapy there. So we've uh, done some anger management classes, um, uh, anxiety uh, sessions and stuff like that. And um, we're still working on doing it with all the programs there because you know at Cornerstone, we have a few different programs. We have a single women's program, a single men's program, a women and children's program, and then an intact families program. And I want to point out that the intact families program is a, is a really big deal because mm-hmm. most shelters don't have that. And yeah. so you get a family and they get split up. You get the father sent to the men's shelter and the women and the women and children's shelter. And I mean, on top of being homeless, you don't also want your family to be separated. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's really great that we offer that program. And that also is a good place for grandparents trying to raise grandchildren and they may not fit into other programs and stuff like that. So, um, and to be able to offer like parenting classes and support for parents in the family program um, to help people deal with, you know, the stress of trying to raise children in a shelter or to have uh, the ability to help the men that don't often talk about how they feel and have a tendency to bottle things up to create a space where they can feel like they can come in and, and talk to someone. So I'm working on getting some therapists on site that can be there a few days out of the week too, and getting a male therapist in there. Cause I know that's important. Um, so really just working to build that program. And uh, we're also doing some work with some other agencies to make it a uh, mentally and medically um, integrated kind of uh, program so that we also have that on site. We do have a nurse that comes to a couple of the programs, but we really want it to be more shelter wide and we want it to be more comprehensive. So you can come here and you can get case management. You can get, um, you can get your, find your housing. You can have mental health support. You can have your health looked at, you know, just a more holistic approach to taking care of our clients. So that's the kind of the, the design of the program I'm trying to build right now. Yeah. 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 That's really important. Um, When I first started at the shelter, um, I didn't understand the importance of that. Didn't really, uh, when you talk about groups coming in and just kind of trying to understand where people are at, it felt like every time I sat down to have a conversation with someone, um, I would just walk away in tears and just in awe. Like we would just sit down and have a conversation, you know, Nothing super heavy or just like, here, let me, you know, unload my life's trauma on you. But just, just in hearing their story, it, I was always so overwhelmed at how they were still able to function and like push through with all the things that are going on while still holding the the stress and the uncertainty of like, what's going to happen? Where am I going to, 
where am I going to go? Uh, how am I going to get housing? How am I going to get a job? Um, whether or not mental health you, issues were, were a part of it or not, just like the, the trauma and the uncertainty and the stress um, of it all and just what people have come out of and how they can still have such joy in their hearts oh, and in their lives was something that was incredibly powerful for me and was it definitely did uh, change uh, the way that I look at people who are experiencing homelessness. I thought I understood it when I came. And so just, just a little bit about me, like I have a meet video. um, So if anybody's interested in in learning a little bit more about how I came to community, um, you can watch that it's on YouTube. Um, Something that I haven't really shared is why it was so important for me to, work at the shelter um, because they they asked if I wanted to go over to the shelter obviously because we had some big shoes to fill with Charlene leaving before I came to community I didn't even realize that the Lord was doing things in relationships in my life and people in my life was preparing my heart for this in a way um, because it it definitely wasn't something that I was passionate about before I came here but it was actually a mentor at my job. I used to work at a fabric store before I, uh, before I packed up and moved here six years ago. I worked for this fabric corporation for 10 years. And as I was going up the ranks, uh, this woman was, she was like a mother, like a sister, a best friend. Uh, it was more than just teaching me the ropes, uh, at work. It was, it was a friendship that was incredibly impactful in my life. There was a medical situation where her husband had a heart attack, developed, uh, what we now know as a Lewy body dementia. So he was having these episodes where, um, he couldn't remember what he was doing, or he'd like, he'd go to the store for milk and come back five hours later, no idea where he was and no milk. Um, or she'd come home from work and he had almost burned the house down because he forgot that he was making macaroni and cheese. Just, it, it was incredibly difficult because he was in his early fifties and it was a situation that just took more and more time, uh, away from her life. And, um, she had going to doctor's appointments and checking up on him. And eventually it just, it became, it was a really difficult time for them. And we went from, you know, planning a vacation together overseas to losing her job, losing medical insurance, um, a nice condo in the suburbs. And, you know, that mini dream car, mini Cooper, you know, that she had to us selling everything that they owned in a garage sale out in front of their house and their house going into foreclosure. And even then it didn't register as homelessness to me because, you know, oh, this is just a rough patch or whatever. And it wasn't until, you know, many months later where they kind of, because of his health, they, um, they needed a place to stay. And I had a spare room in my house and just very flippantly on the phone one day said, oh, well, you can come stay with me. I have a spare room, no problem. And so it wasn't until that first night when I'm literally listening to her cry herself to sleep. 
like their their door was just on the other side of of my room or whatever and this woman that I looked up to who had done so much to help me grow as a person um, both professionally and just as a human being this person you know doesn't see a way out of the situation she didn't have her full degree and was in her 50s and we were coming up against like she couldn't even get a job at the Burger King down the street because they could pay a high school kid 25 cents less than than her and oh we wouldn't have we don't have to deal with the doctor's appointments or whatever and just seeing the reality of that firsthand was so incredibly sad so infuriating because Mm -hmm. here's a woman that I knew to be able to work circles around other people could you know do a a million things at once um, and was so good at it she was the kind of person that when corporate had an issue or they were trying to come up with new programs or or whatever she's the person that they called she was the 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 person who would help them test out the bugs you know whatever and then seeing this woman who was incredibly depressed withdrawn no matter how much I tried, I could not pull her out of that place by myself. You know, it was, it was so incredibly heartbreaking to watch. And it's not something that ever registered to me before. And then when I came to, you know, seeing, seeing their journey, seeing them find, I mean, the journey towards permanent housing and, a full-time job in medical insurance again was years Mm -hmm. paying off those debts Mm -hmm. took years and she was you know everybody oh you just have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps or you know just put in the work you can't put in the work when people aren't willing to hire you because they can hire a new graduate or whatever you know um they can pay them less for their, because they don't have as much experience. She had over 30 years experience in our field and it was, it was devastating for her professionally um, because she felt unwanted, unneeded uh, that, that she wasn't worth anything. And that wasn't the case. And so just kind of seeing that journey firsthand, like I said, it didn't even really register as homelessness to me. And I think a lot of people just see homelessness as, you know, the person who's, who's living under the bridge in, in a tent city or um, whatever, or someone who's sleeping in their car. But what you don't see is there are a lot of stories similar to my friend's story that, that you don't see. You could stand next to her in line at, at the grocery store or in line at the pharmacy and you'd never know that that was what was going on in her life you know she she tried to put on that like that front and just kind of put off that like happy you know friendly um you know demeanor or that that face but then she'd come home and she'd just like retreat back into herself and uh she was not the person that I that I knew before and it was so incredibly difficult to to watch and but also that was probably one of the it was definitely one of the most difficult experiences in my life but it was also one of the most transformative experiences because it opened to my my eyes 
And then when I came to Cornerstone, my heart was ready um, to, to see that. And my heart was ready to take action. And I was ready to be able to help people who were coming into our space understand the importance of them being there, but also the education aspect of it and encouraging them to open their eyes to the situations around them that they may not see uh, people who may be struggling in their congregation or in their community or, you know, situations like, like my friend's situation and just kind of reiterating that it really can happen to anyone. You know, there's this rhetoric of, uh, oh, well, you must have done something bad to be here. You're being punished or, mm-hmm. or something you, you've made wrong. You're life- lazy. You're mm-hmm. lazy. You've made wrong life choices or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but the reality is it all comes down to, do you have a support system? That when you're going through this hard stuff, do you have people that you can rely on? And a lot of people don't, um, uh-huh. you know, and so it, it made me so grateful to be in this space where as a community, that is something that we value is that is one of our main purposes here is to be able to do that kind of work to to support each other so that those of us who that is our passion can go out and do that full time for mm-hmm. the city of Chicago and the surrounding area through our, through Cornerstone. And so just being a part of that, it really did feel like you said, like a coming home and all of a sudden all, all these little things in my life before all of a sudden it made sense. And I didn't, I didn't realize that the Lord was preparing my heart for this or getting me ready. But now that I'm here, it all makes sense. Something that I just recently realized. So we were military kids and my mom and her best friend used to go around and pick trash after the, um, you know, whenever anybody gets stationed there, you have a limit of how much stuff you can take with you. Like, and so people would just leave all this stuff behind. And so my mom and her friends would be running around and they would, oh man, that's a brand new uh, washing machine. Let's take that and, you know, replace the old one or, oh man, look at that couch. And so I remember being very young, sitting in a car seat, trying not to fall asleep as my mom and her best friend are trying to load a washer dryer set and a love seat into our minivan to take it home. And uh, there was, I had a moment where I was sitting at the eBay store at the shelter, which is what I do right now is I uh, help turn high-end items into um, revenue for the shelter. And so I'm sitting there doing intake on like, you know, a coach purse, a share DVD box set. And, you know, uh, Captain America Christmas ornament, you know, just like random stuff that has come in and I'm sitting there and the Lord was just speaking to my heart about how he can redeem anything, how he can redeem time, how he can redeem situations. And he just let me remember that, like all that time that I sat in the car seat as we're going trash picking as kids with my mom and, and he And he's like, I can even use that for the kingdom. And so it's just amazing to me how, how he 
uh, like I I was being prepared since I was like four um, Mm. for this and I didn't even realize it and so how the Lord can use those situations in our lives and in this space there's there's an outlet for that there's a there's a way that you can find a way to use your gifts Uh and it's just it's something that has been an incredible um an incredible journey for me working at cco and being with our coworkers and just like hearing their stories and just people's successes um it really is something to celebrate if you don't yeah. follow cornerstone already on social media you definitely should um so you can celebrate those those uh, joys with us as um people get housing and move into their new apartments uh that is our absolute favorite thing is that jingle of new apartment keys so if you're not oh following- yeah you're not following cornerstone on facebook instagram or twitter look us up at cclife.org um is our website and and just at cclife on instagram and twitter and just look up cornerstone community outreach on facebook but yeah i did I sarah was- thank you thank you for sharing that that's yeah. a very powerful yeah. um story and a very powerful perspective i i think that's really needed uh, I think there is a big disconnect between education, like uh, relational experiences, being in relationship with people versus having ideas and stereotypes and whatever we get in our heads from wherever we're taught about stuff. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't even planning to talk about that, but (laughs) (laughs) just happens. Um, Charlene, I wanted to ask about, um, with, with your work at CCO, cause just even like, I remember us talking before we've talked about you went to a Christian college, um, when you kind of were going to school f- when you were first going to school, what was your idea? And then, yeah, you like the first jobs you had versus like where God has led you now. I'm just kind of I'm kind of curious because so now you're about to have your master's too. And like, Uh did, what did you get your first degree in? Where did you like, where did you kind of envision yourself um, pre-community life versus like, yeah, the path God has led you to like becoming a mental health professional, teaching classes at Cornerstone. Well, I, I went to a a manual college in Georgia and that's where I got my undergrad in biblical studies. And Mm -hmm. I had a minor in psychology at the time. You know, I always thought, so when I was in sixth grade, I made up my mind I was going to be a therapist, but I was going to be a therapist like Alan Thicke was a therapist on like growing pains. <laughs> and I was going to have my office at my house with my husband and my 2.5 kids, you know, and my dog. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, and then later I realized it is an exceptionally bad idea to have your office at your house. <laughs> and I don't know why they did that on that TV show. <laughs> You should not bring your clients to your house. No, but um, right? <laughs> I, I think I had a much more traditional view of what it was going to look like. It didn't involve, you know, homelessness or shelter or community experience, nothing like that. I just wanted this private practice. Mm. But um, I did always know that I wanted to do counseling in some way. But so, yeah, I went and got my undergrad in biblical studies and then minored in psychology. And then I did some ministry um, for some years. So I 
mainly music ministry. I mm-hmm. led worship. I was a, uh, I sing, I play piano every now and then I torture the guitar. So oh, I, was I can't wait. To- <laughs> I can't wait till after COVID because we are going to have you lead some worship for us when post pandemic. I am some- <laughs> ready. I'm ready. I'm going to pull out some of the old school uh, stuff yes. that I played, blow the, the dust off of it, see what may happen. Oh, yeah. But um, I actually wrote some stuff too. And I, so that was a great time where God was really using me more so in my musical gifts than anything. It's almost like the, the counseling went to the back burner for a while until mm-hmm. I went back to, uh, back to school and went to grad school and started working towards this goal. But um, yeah, like I kind of, you know, uh, my friends and I joke sometimes like there's people, they work really hard, like all the first years of their life. And then when they get older, they're like buy an RV and then they'll like kind of live out their dreams. And I just front loaded my life that way. So like <laughs> instead of spending all my, my 20s and 30s, like working really hard, I mean, I worked hard, but it, it didn't feel like work, I guess. It was always yeah. like doing work I love. So I was leading worship in church or I was, you know, I was uh, the president of this organization when I was in, in college and undergrad. And uh, it was like a choir slash, like we had like five different branches of like ministry. And so I've been able to kind of roll all of my, my heart for ministry and my heart for uh, counseling and my heart for the homeless. Like It's always been this like marbled thing that I've done over the years. So yeah. how it kind of manifests changes over time in different ways. But I feel like, you know, it all kind of has the same roots. Um, I had a professor yes. at Emmanuel told me one time, that you may have many jobs, but never forget the work that you're called to do. Mm. And um, that's, I think, a great way to explain kind of how my life is unfurled. It's always been the same work, no matter mm-hmm. what the job was. It was always about uh, people, loving people, bringing people closer to God, closer to like increasing their, their quality of life, wherever I found myself, whether it was leading yeah. people in worship or, you know, volunteering with a meal at the shelter or, you know, doing support group or whatever. And so, and that's, I I can definitely see God's hand in my life. Like it didn't go the way I planned it. You know, I had my very specific plans, uh, but it didn't go the way I planned, but I think it went exactly (laughs) like it was supposed to go. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. 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 I feel like we've got a really good uh, perspective of your story so far. And just, I, I did have one. So I had one more, um, which you kind of already answered this of like coming back, but coming back in the midst of a pandemic is, is very different. But so you already said you, you still felt that same sense of home, but even, so I guess my question is, yeah, even in the midst of us barely being able to be around each other physically and like, just having such limited contact, how has that been? Or has that, yeah, yeah how, yes. how has that been? It's different, definitely. Cause you know, a lot of the socializing that happened before would happen in our common spaces and public spaces in the dining room and being able to be together in groups and stuff. So we've had to get more creative about yeah. how we socialize and more intentional, which I think yeah. is good. Cause it's easy to kind of just rest on the laurels of when somebody passes by in the cafeteria and mm-hmm. this way, you've got to kind of step outside of that and be like, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and put yourself on front street. And um, uh, even though I'm really extroverted and super social, that was something I was just used to kind of coming to me naturally. So yeah. I've had to kind of stop and go, hey, 
we should spend time. You and I did this. Yes. I'm so grateful. And yeah. It was like, we yeah. should hang out. I was like, yeah, we should hang out. I was like, we should plan it and nail yes. it down and Pick hang out. a date and <laughs> a time. I was like, you yeah. know, because I was saying, you know how many people are like, I've got years of we need to hang out. And it's been said that we still haven't done it. So yes. let's make it happen. And so that was great. We got a chance to sit down and, and yeah. talk. And Sarah and I have had time to, you know, go out and eat the food in the city because that's what we like to do. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, so, so much good it, food. It has been more intentional. We've had to had to do more work. But uh, I've, I'm kind of grateful, not for the pandemic, obviously, but I'm kind of grateful for what's what it's been able to produce in the times that we have had to be forced to slow down or mm-hmm. forced to mm-hmm. um, to um, be in our own space and rest because, um, you know, it's just people in America, we have a hard time resting and being yeah. still. And it's actually created some space for me to start um, a hobby that I love with my uh, pottery. Um, yeah. So I bought like a wheel and I'm actually creating pottery in my room. And I absolutely love that. And um, you're very I, good at it. I'm looking at your pictures every time you post a picture of something new. I'm so impressed. I, I'm kind of blown away that you've, you've only been doing this for a short time, right? Yeah, I took like an eight week class. So I'm only about so two months deep in it. And I fell in love with it as soon as I started doing it and then started investing in creating stuff. So probably in the next couple of weeks, I'll have stuff that I can actually sell and that I'm going to post online on my website, which is throwingthingspotterystudio.com. What? Shameless <laughs> plug. <laughs> How exciting. But, um, yeah. So yeah, that is exciting. Um, so that's been great. I've been able to find like all these new talents that I didn't know I had. And, um, and that's been good. One thing I did want to talk about, cause I think it's great. Like not only are we in this time of a pandemic, but we've also, the pandemic has kind of forced us to pay more attention to what's happening with, um, a lot of the, with politically or racially and things that are going on in our country. And I was so proud of our community for, um, getting involved in the way that we could and starting this mm-hmm. weekly vigil that I think mm-hmm. now has been going on for help me with the time frame. Has it been like Ooh, since April? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. So I like so. a while, like eight, eight, nine months, something like that. Almost a year. Where, yeah. Where we get together every Sunday from 1230 to two thirty on the, uh, 900 block there of West Wilson and we're holding up signs of the victims of police brutality um, just continuing to honor those people to continue to say their names to continue mm-hmm. to say that you know we're still pushing for justice and we're still pushing pushing for equality and that mm-hmm. coming in especially as an African-American female too in this community it spoke to me because that's not just some theoretical thing in the air. That's, that's, it's a very real thing for, for me in my specific life. And so in the ways that we want to love on each other as a community, this is a way that the community kind of can love, kind of loves on me where I Mm. feel like people are not passively, but actively saying that my life matters. And then when we're on the street and you see people driving by, they're honking their horns, they're waving. I've had people stop and say, thank you for doing this. You know, I hear people going by on their bicycles. You can hear them saying the names on the signs. And I think it really does. It gives people that want to stand in solidarity a a place to be and something to do. It says to the people driving by that are African-American, like they see this, this, 
constant, consistent in the rain and the sleet and the snow mm-hmm. that we're still out mm-hmm. there. And it's, it says, it gives that message to our community as well. Yeah. So that our community isn't just inside these walls, but the community around us. Uh, it, it's another form of outreach that we can say we care. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's, that's been amazing. And um, uh, the woman who started, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, especially um, in a neighborhood that uh, historically has been predominantly black and is going through a pretty aggressive gentrification right now Mm -hmm. um, with uh, single resident like occupancies. So like low income senior housing, um, I think we've had five or six uh, be closed down in just within a couple of blocks of us mm-hmm. um, in the past yeah. few years. And so we have now all of these. Um, and be changed into high end housing. That's yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. High end studio apartments that are triple what they were paying for their rent beforehand. And so now we have this surge of people in our neighborhood that are experiencing, you know, the, the hardships that come with um, a neighborhood that is changing and essentially pushing them out. And so I think it's really important for us to hold that space and say, we see you um, mm-hmm. and we're, we're here with you. Like we see these injustices, um, you know, that are, are also happening in the neighborhood around us. And, and we're going to advocate for you because it is, it is the black uh, community that is, is being pushed out. Um, Mm -hmm. the neighborhood is changing. So I've heard so many people, uh, like you said, people who have come up and just kind of shared their stories about situations, things that have happened to them in, in our neighborhood on those streets where we're holding the signs and, and just Mm -hmm. they're how grateful they are that we're holding that space with them and just acknowledging it, that it's happening in our, in our neighborhood too that these things are happening in our neighborhood, that they're, they're experiencing um, injustices here as well. So, and we've got some like stories that have gotten national attention that have happened in Chicago that have happened in Kenosha, which isn't that far from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. stuff's right here in our, our own city and in our backyard. So yeah. that is another thing I love about our community. We don't shy away from, you know, being engaged in that way and saying what we need to say you know? And so, and I think one thing that's important to note is that not everybody shares the same, the same beliefs here. Um, every, every, there's a scale, like like everybody falls in different because people are from all different backgrounds, you know, there, but it's a space where it's okay for you to have, um, differing opinions, um, on things. Mm -hmm. And so, Politically, you know, you have a whole spectrum um, of people here. And so um, you just have to be respectful, you know, just um, it it all boils down to loving people. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Someone recently said so because I was I was kind of trying to boil down like I feel like a way to um, to describe who we are and what we do is we we want to you know, um, hold on to those greatest two commandments. We want to, you know, love God with all our hearts and love our neighbor as ourself. And then someone else added like, not just love our neighbor, but be right with our neighbor. And Mm. I thought that that was really powerful because it was like, 
Yeah, like within our community, we try to be right with each other. So if we disagree on something, we we try to come to a ground where we can love each other and live in the same building together. And then like on the bigger level, being right with our neighbor, um, doing doing justice and and calling out for justice and calling calling out the injustice and um, and being in solidarity with the oppressed and like in the greater community of our of our neighborhood and city and nation. And so I think I, I just, I thought that was powerful because I think that's how I want to live my life. I want to live my life by loving my neighbor, but also being right with my neighbor and being right with God. And yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, this has been great ladies. <gasps> this has been really yeah. great. It's, it's always good to talk to both of you. So this is uh, same, yeah. same. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for, um, for being on with us tonight. Thank you guys for asking me. Mm-hmm. I feel special. We're really <laughs> grateful that you're back. It definitely, uh, when you left, we only had that very short time together. Um, and as soon as you left, I was like, man, I really wish I had more time to spend with her. I really feel like we would have been good friends. So when I found out that you were moving back to community, I was elated because I, I felt such a strong connection to you in such that uh, that short period of time. Um, yeah. I'm just so incredibly grateful for um, your heart and for everything that you're doing at Cornerstone. Um, it is definitely something that I know has been on the hearts of many of the staff members there for quite a while. And it's such a blessing to have you back there to be able to, to put that heart into action um, and to see that. So I'm so incredibly grateful for you um, and everything that you you bring to the table just by being you, girl. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I love you, ladies. Oh. And I look forward to all the mischief that we can get into. That's what I foresee. I foresee oh. mischief. All right, ladies. Okay. Well, you have a good night. Love I you both, too. and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Right. Bye. Okay. Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Jesus People Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you will leave us your reviews, your comments, like, subscribe, share with friends, and we love to hear from you. So we have an email that you can email us your thoughts, your questions, your comments at jppodcast at jpusa.org. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, please send them to us at jppodcast at jpusa.org. For more information about Cornerstone Community Outreach, go to cclife.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Jesus People, listen to our other podcasts and visit us at jesuspeoplechicago.org.